the financial services landscape in Ireland has changed a lot in the last four to five years. And the last 12 months have seen continued regulatory developments and a lot of activity from the central bank. So as we emerge from the pandemic, with the lifting of restrictions and the return to the office for many, we thought we'd ask, what are the priorities and trends for 2022 going to be? So I'm Amelia Walsh, off counsel in the litigation, dispute resolution and investigations department at Arthur Cox. And this is the first of several podcasts, webinars and seminars that will be run this year by our market leading financial regulation, investigations and enforcement team. For this episode, I am joined by two of my colleagues. So Rob Kane, head of our financial regulation group, and Richard Willis from our litigation, dispute resolution and investigations group. Hello to both of you and thanks so much for joining me today. And I guess in this episode, what I really want to take the opportunity to look at is what is in store for 2022 from a financial regulatory and enforcement perspective. So what are the central bank's priorities for the year ahead? What sectors are under the spotlight? So some of the topics that we're going to discuss today include the boom in e-money and crypto and the regulatory expectations on those fronts, the timeline for the implementation of SEER, operational resilience, and other priorities for the year ahead. So first of all, I want to look at e-money and payment services as a sector which is growing rapidly here in Ireland. With the departure of some retail banks from Ireland and changes in consumer behaviour following the pandemic, it's likely that e-money firms and payment institutions are going to be taking an increasingly prominent role in the way in which Irish consumers receive financial services. So Rob, maybe you can give us an overview of the supervisory expectation. No problem, Amelia. We've seen a huge increase in the role of e-money and payment institutions as part of the financial services sector here in Ireland in recent years. And fintechs are now competing against retail banks in relation to both day-to-day account type services and also lending, for example, via buy now, pay later products. To give you a sense of the size of the regulated industry here, we've gone from 14 regulated e-money firms and payment institutions at the end of 2018 to 44 at the end of 2021. Now, that's not a huge number of firms overall, but it does reflect a huge increase in the scale of the sector since 2018. Against this backdrop and the increasing reliance by consumers on these types of firms, the central bank issued a Dear CEO letter in December 2021, in which it confirmed its supervisory expectations. The key priorities addressed in the letter included governance and risk management, conduct and culture, safeguarding, business model and financial resilience, operational resilience, AML, CFT, and resolution. And the central bank said that the board of each institution must be satisfied as to how the firm manages those key priority areas. If you're being a bit critical of the central bank, you'd say that almost every topic relevant to any money institution or a payment institution was listed as a priority, as was such a significant breadth to the range of issues covered by the letter. However, the safeguarding of customer funds really stood out as an immediate priority, and that makes sense given the importance of the safeguarding rules i.e. the rules that an EMI or a payment institution has to follow to keep your funds safe. The central bank set a specific requirement for the boards of firms to review their compliance with the safeguarding provisions of the money regulations and the payment services regulations. Firms have to confirm to the central bank that the board has conducted this review and that a remediation plan has been put in place where issues have been identified. Richard, turning to you, do you have any thoughts on the burden of regulation in this area and the impact it may have? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Well, it certainly looks like significant regulation of e-money firms and payment institutions has emerged uh, as a trend. 
and we have started to see e-money firms looking for advice on particular issues, including the issue of safeguarding, which which you mentioned just there earlier. Um, and there's been quite a bit of noise, I think, in recent weeks about the way in which the central bank goes about authorizing firms and payment institutions and is perhaps driven by the news that one very well-known firm has decided not to use its Irish e-money license and instead is opting to use its ECB banking license for the rollout of its services across the European Union. I think it's also interesting to see that the central bank and the Department of Finance have both reiterated the importance of a robust authorization process, but it would be also interesting to observe how this develops over the coming months and years, particularly given the importance of the fintech industry to our economy and indeed the really strong track record of entrepreneurship that we have in this sector. And uh, I also noticed that the governor of the central bank spoke at a Financial Times conference last week and mentioned that the central bank was going to review its innovation hub this year to ensure that the central bank is engaging effectively in light of the rapidly changing regulatory landscape. Perhaps they might move to a version of the sandbox that the FCA has used so effectively in the UK for the last several years. Um, who knows, only time will tell, but in any event, I do think we need to ensure that Ireland remains an attractive place to ideate, establish and to grow regulated fintech businesses. Thanks a million both. And I guess related to this is, is crypto, which I think everyone will agree is a hot topic at the moment. Um, the central bank is is particularly exercised, as we know, in respect of all things crypto and is concerned about consumer protection um, in the context of price volatility. So, for example, since the beginning of this year alone, we've seen an approximate swing of about 30% in the value of Bitcoin. Richard, could you tell us some more about why the central bank is concerned and, and, and what actions they're taking? Yeah, sure, Amelia. I mean, th there's little doubt but that most regulators are grappling with the consumer protection challenges that cryptocurrency trading generates. Um, we've all seen that the swings in the value of some cryptocurrencies are eye-watering and, of course, generate the risk of significant consumer losses. And I think it's fair to say that, like other regulators, the central bank is perhaps understandably nervous about cryptocurrencies. Uh, in April 2021, for example, the central bank issued a warning on so-called virtual currencies, pointing out that such products are unregulated as a matter of Irish and indeed EU law, and that if you buy or hold them, you lose access to the guarantees associated with regulated financial services. Now, while services and cryptocurrencies are not regulated in the same way that, for example, share dealing is, since last year, virtual asset service providers like crypto exchanges and brokerages operating in Ireland have been subject to the AML framework and indeed must register with the CBI. And Richard, I think it goes without saying that we'll see greater regulation in this area going forward, certainly at an international and European level, given the issues you mentioned that regulators are grappling with. We're going to see some pan-European legislation in the form of Mika fairly shortly, and I think it's inevitable that pretty soon cryptocurrencies will be regulated very similarly to financial instruments like bonds and shares. But in the meantime, there'll be a patchwork of national regimes, no pan-EU content business regime, and perhaps a few sleepless nights for regulators as a result.
we've really seen an explosion in queries in relation to cryptocurrencies in recent months. We seem to get several a week at this point, and I think this is going to be a hugely important area in the years to come. Thanks, Rob. So moving on, in December 2021, the central bank published its finalised cross-industry guidance on, on operational resilience for regulated financial service providers. Richard, could you give us an overview in terms of what operational resilience is? Well, at a high level, Amelia, operational resilience is the ability of a firm and the sector as a whole to identify and prepare for respond and adapt to and indeed to recover and learn from operational disruption and to be operationally resilient a firm needs to be able to recover its critical or important business services from a significant unplanned disruption while at the same time minimizing impact and protecting its customers and the integrity of the financial system and for example in the in the health sector we recently saw the impact of the cyber attack and the resulting disruption to services there and what is really critical is that firms in the financial sector accept that operational disruption will more than likely occur and that they will need to prepare and respond appropriately. And this has been a key concern for regulators for a few years now. So no surprise to see the central bank issue its own guidance just before Christmas 2021. Thanks, million, Richard. So I guess you, you mentioned cyber attacks but you can also see operational impacts arising from things like natural disasters and IT systems failures. Rob, could you take us through the guidance um, on this front at a, at a high level? Sure. I might just start with a couple of general observations. Firstly, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and changing work patterns, firms are becoming more and more reliant on technology to support their day-to-day -day activities. I think we can all associate with that. An additional factor is the continued shift towards outsourcing used by many firms to support their businesses, and all of that generates operational risk. The central bank has noted that these trends have led to an increase in operational incidents, and the central bank is backing up its focus on this area with enforcement. For example, a fine of 24.5 million euros is imposed on Bank of Ireland in November 2021 for failings relating to their IT business continuity framework. There have also been a number of other outsourcing related fines in recent years across a variety of sectors. So turning back to the guidance, the core principles underpinning it are that the board and senior management team have to take responsibility of a firm's operational resilience, that a firm must identify its critical business areas along with the activities, people, processes, information, technologies and third parties involved in the delivery of those critical services. Thirdly, a firm must set out impact tolerances uh, for each critical or important business service and test its ability to meet those tolerances. And finally, a firm must review on an ongoing basis how it responded to disruptive events so that lessons can be learned. The principles are supported by three key pillars, identify and prepare, respond and adapt and recover and learn. And I think we're going to see a continued focus from the central bank on operational risk and operational resilience in the foreseeable future. Thanks for taking us through that, Rob. Um, one additional point worth mentioning is that it's expected that regulated entities apply this guidance in an appropriate time frame. And such a time frame will be determined by reference to factors such as the nature and, and scale of a business. I think it's, it's certainly fair to say that this is a topic which will continue to be a key priority for the central bank for, for some time. Next, I want to touch briefly um, on the SEER and IAF legislation. 
And we've published quite a few briefings on our website regarding the proposed legislation, but it seems that a timetable is now taking shape in terms of when we can expect to see a draft bill. Rob, could you tell us a little bit more about this? Absolutely. The census thinks standards of the draft bill should be published by May this year. Speaking a few days ago, Jerry Cross, Director of Financial Regulation at the Central Bank, confirmed that the Central Bank is working in parallel on its regulations and guidance, with the plan to kick off the consultation phase very shortly after the legislation is finalised. So we'll hopefully see that consultation kicking off soon. Jerry Cross also made an interesting comment about the framework during his speech when he stated that it's about substance and not form. He explained that the heart of the framework will be the responsibilities of senior management roles, with a focus on the substance of those roles as opposed to their titles. Essentially, this focus is designed to combat practices where a more senior executive attempts to hide behind a less senior colleague by giving them the formal role title. The framework will ensure that the more senior executive is deemed the role holder with the relevant responsibilities. And Jerry clearly intended to mark firms' cards by focusing on that particular point. Either way, once enacted, the new legislation will be pretty groundbreaking. And just to remind everyone that the regime will include a new senior accountability framework, new conduct standards, including standards applicable to firms and to staff, changes to the central bank's fitness and probity regime, and changes designed to strengthen the central bank's enforcement capabilities. Thanks, Amelia Rob. And, and as you say, we'll be, we'll be continuing to follow progress very closely. And the plan is to host a webinar once that bill has been published. Just before we move on, Amelia, I wonder if it'd be useful to just quickly reflect also on other priorities that the central bank had flagged for 2021 and which still appear to remain on the agenda. For example, if you take business interruption insurance and the business interruption insurance framework, the central bank stated in 2021 that they would continue to closely challenge insurers to ensure that all valid claims were paid as well as how the claims are managed and progressed. And for some reason, I think it feels like it's been a bit quiet on that front and perhaps other priorities in the insurance sector, such as differential pricing issues, uh, have taken priority. However, uh, the practice of insurers deducting the value of state supports from business interruption claim payouts does appear, I think, to have renewed the interest of the central bank. So we may see some further developments on that front over the course of 2022. Thanks, Richard. And looking forward, I might ask you both for your predictions for what else we might see in 2022. Richard, I might kick things off with you. Sure. Thanks, Amelia. I mean, climate change and sustainability will certainly continue to be at the forefront of everybody's mind. And I think firms should be addressing it in a real and substantive way as uh, as it is clearly moving up the central bank's priority list and is now one of its strategic priorities. Um, for example, in his speech in recent weeks at the EFF 2022, the central bank governor placed a huge emphasis on the green transition, citing this focus as a need to correct a major market failure. And in addition, last year, in a move that coincided with COP26, the central bank set out its supervisory expectations in respect of climate change. and. In the Dear CEO letter that the governor sent out at that stage, he said that the supervisory approach of the central bank will continue to evolve. He also cited the establishment of a climate risk and sustainable finance forum to enable firms to share best practices on how they are embedding climate risk and sustainability considerations into their businesses. 
So I think all indications are that we will continue to hear a lot more about ESG from the central bank in the coming years. I think that's absolutely right. And a really important thing to remember about the ESG agenda are the letters S and G. So those firms always tend to focus on the E. But I think topics like diversity, inclusion and good governance are also really high in the regulatory agenda and need to be focused on. In terms of hot topics for the year ahead, other than all ones we've already talked about, a perennial focus of the central bank is AML. And in this context, the proposal for a harmonised single EU AML rulebook and a single standalone AML EU supervisor would really be a game changer in terms of how we approach this subject and is something we should keep an eye on. Well, look, thank you both so much. Um, it will definitely be a busy year ahead on the financial regulatory front with developments in e-money and crypto and SEER remaining on the agenda amongst a host of other topics. Changes within the central bank are also on the cards this year with Deputy Governor Ed Sibley set to depart at the end of August with a move to EY planned, it seems. So it'll be interesting to see who is recruited or promoted to take on that, that critical role. Thank you again to Rob Kane and Richard Willis for joining me here today as well as Alan Harney, who assisted in preparing today's podcast. Please get in touch with either Rob, Richard or me if you would like further information on any of the topics discussed today. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now.